Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Our first post-Christmas Day show here on Off the Bench, presented by our good friends at United Dairy Farmers. Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody had a great Christmas. Casey, we begin with you. Yay or nay? Yeah, I had a great Christmas, Tom. It was uh, full of um, just joy and uh no no white Love that snow word. one of my favorite words uh lots of lots of food i went to like i said like four or five different right. families for for uh for christmas and uh yeah it was good it was well belated good. merry christmas well, thank you tom zebra it was you know it was mine was filled instead of joy it was magic magic that's and another wonder, great word uh and hope my favorite word is hippopotamonstrosis quipidaliophobia but that was just you said your favorite word. That was my favorite word. Uh, it's a fear of long words. So I think if we have to look back through my Christmas, I had a great time. Uh, I, luckily, my grandparents, I have four grandparents still with me. Luckily, they all, uh, they all gave me some money for Christmas. Wow. To, to replenish all the money I lost on Saturday when I bet everything I had on the Bengals. Did you get new shoes? I did. Those are nice. Look at them kicks. I did. That's a brand new sweatshirt too, isn't it? It well, it's this one's not brand new. I've had this one, but yeah, I it's I have a lot of sweatshirts at home. I pick and choose which ones I need to wear. But great Christmas. Good and read. Yeah, it was fantastic. I don't think I stopped eating from about uh, noon Christmas Eve till about when I went to bed last night. I think I just ate, ate, ate the entire time. So yeah. got to work off those calories. Okay, but it was a, a boiler. It was a fantastic Christmas, Tom. So that was the word fantastic. We fantastic. Had, right? Yeah, if you want okay. a word, fantastic. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hope all of you did too. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 hey. to 12. Hey. That's Eastern time. You can join us on... YouTube, Chatterbox Sports page. We broadcast live as well on Twitter at Cbox Sports. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, by all means, search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Got to point this out. My daughter gave this to me for Christmas. A mug. Awesome. Like my daughter. <laughs> humble, humble young lady. I love yellow. So I'm a little perplexed. Last night as I'm starting this monologue early this morning, and maybe you can help me out. I could use some help. The Bengals played four days ago. It seems like three weeks ago. We know they were completely humiliated by the Steelers, 34-11. We know that Mason Rudolph, who hadn't started a game in what, three years? Yeah, it's been a while. He throws for nearly 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns against a porous Cincinnati defense. We know that Jake Browning threw three interceptions and that the Bengals were 0 for 3 in the red zone. We know the offense couldn't run it in. Third and one in the second quarter when it was still a game. Couldn't get in from the one. And then on fourth down, let's throw it. Let's throw it. It failed. So should we talk about all of that today or start looking forward? I'm still wrestling. I need your help. I guess we have to talk about it, right, Casey? Just a little bit, yeah. Okay. Kyle Kasky will join us at 1030. More on that. Look, the Bengals' chances of reaching the playoffs took a huge hit. But according to fake news, the New York Times, <laughs> they have an 18% chance 
right now of reaching the postseason, but it's a big but. If they beat Kansas City this Sunday, their chances improve to 54%. If they beat Cleveland the following Sunday, their chances are at 94% to make the playoffs. So, can those two things happen? Let's start with the Chiefs. Right now, boys and girls, and we've been saying it on off the bench, for seven, eight weeks now, they're not the same. In fact, right now, they stink. And they're melting down before your very eyes. They go off on the officials a couple of weeks ago, yelling at one another on the sideline, questioning the play calling. Your boy Jason Kelser, I mean, uh, Travis Kelsey, a.k.a. Taylor Swift, throwing his helmet on the sideline. They lost for the third time in their last four games, the fourth time in their last six games, falling to the fighting Aiden O'Connells and the Las Vegas Raiders. They've lost three in a row at home. Sunday's kickoff 425 on CBS. Your guy, Elliot, Tony Romo, and Jim Nance will be on the call of that one. Lots more on the state of the Bengalis. Elsewhere in the AFC North, the Brownies, Takeshi Chagrin, just keep on rolling, man. Amari Cooper sets a franchise record 265 receiving yards, two touchdowns, in a 36-22 route of the Texans. Joe Flacco, yes, two picks. Joe Flacco, three touchdowns. Cleveland is 10-5 and with four different starting quarterbacks this year. And the Brownies play tomorrow night against the fighting New York Jets. They'll go to 11-5 and tomorrow night. Brownies. Brown, that's right. Did I mean, the Brownies. They got it going on. Did you see the news about the New York Jets, Tom? Aaron Rodgers did not want to be put on the active roster. And you know what? I, I give the guy, whether you like him or not, I give him all the credit in the world, man, for coming out and laying it on the line. And he was backed up by the front office. He was backed up by the head coach. He fully expected to go on injured reserve and wanted to go on injured reserve. Everybody made a big deal about the guy that was cut loose. He had already gotten his money, vested for the year, $1.1 million. It was another guy who got cut. But they wanted Rodgers on the practice field. I mean, it's amazing to me how the media, and let's be honest about it here. Yeah. Most of the media is liberal media. Most of them are irate with Aaron Rodgers about not getting the vaccine. So everything he does, they're going to make a big deal out of it and paint him to be the bad guy. I'm not saying that everything he does is right, but on this story, he got a raw deal and he let those in the media have it. Yep. Yeah, like it, it's it's just a weird coincidence that he uh, got elevated. Everyone gave him uh, some flack and he goes, oh, no, 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 that wasn't, that wasn't my fault. That was someone else's fault. Yeah, that's weird. Once, yeah, it's just Doesn't weird. take the vaccine, but it'll do a whole lot of mushrooms. Well, I mean, they're two different things. Immunized. That's right. Two different things. He's immunized. Again, you don't have to like the guy. But it, it, you have to admit, every single story that comes out, he gets killed. He gets killed. And there are a lot of guys out there that should be getting killed that don't. Um, Buffalo, now one game behind the Brownies for the fifth seed in the AFC. India's uh, seven. Forgive me, six. Houston is seven. The biggest game of the weekend 
was the best team in the AFC against the best team in the NFC. And guess what? It wasn't a game. So I'm going to give you guys the floor. You've been laying in wait. You couldn't wait to get here. After Baltimore blows out the 49ers 33-19, the matchup of potential MVP candidates Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy, and like the game, that was no contest. Purdy was awful. Four interceptions. While Lamar throws two scores, runs for 45 yards, the Ravens lead Miami by a game for the top spot in the AFC. So, go ahead. Well, I mean, I mean, walk around. The guy has one bad game, and you guys want to kill him, but the floor is yours, gentlemen. Go ahead. Tom, It's beat down Brock Purdy. It's the first thing you said to me this morning. Tom, did you see the 49ers game in Brock Purdy? I don't want to beat down Brock Purdy. Yes, you do. You guys were telling me how he was an MVP candidate, and I sat down and I watched, and I was going to see, all right, what what do Tom and Casey see in this guy? And what I saw was a guy who got benched for Sam Darnold. That is, to me, MVP status. When you get benched for noted <laughs> journeyman Sam Darnold, you deserve to be the most valuable player in the National Football League. There's, nothing, there's not a higher um, achievement than that. I can't think of an MVP candidate or maybe an MVP winner over the past 25 years that have not been benched for Sam Darnold that's right. in the fourth quarter of a game that's very important. That's right. I, I, I just haven't seen it. And, and, you know, you were right when you, when you said that when you were going through your monologue there, Tom. It was a battle between MVP candidates. It was Lamar Jackson versus Christian McCaffrey. That is the MVP of the 49ers. Yes, you said that. And I could, and I could name a couple other on the 49ers that are probably more valuable to that team than Brock Purdy. But, listen, I, I'm not going to – like Reed said, we're not going to kill him. I, listen, I think, I think he's a funny little guy. I think he goes out there every mm-hmm. Sunday and he tries his damnedest. And he's got every single weapon in the world around him. Brock Purdy is a decent quarterback. He's fine. He's whatever. But if you honestly look back and say Brock Purdy is the the most valuable player of this past NFL season, you have not been watching. Brock, you just have not been watching football. Brock Purdy does try very hard. Elliot brought up a good point. He tries, he tries his damn. He tries and very, he, very and, and, hard. And here's the thing and, about it: you notice it. Right. You, you, he it looks so like hard. he's trying so hard. Fellas, so, are you it, telling me so you don't think there's that. a chance? I mean, don't you think that this is the ultimate world of overreaction here? Is it conceivable that Brock Purdy just had a bad game? That, I mean, everybody has a bad game. That's right. true. Lamar has a bad game. Michael Jordan had a bad game. You name it, Joe Burrow, your guys had a bad game. Everybody's had a bad game. I mean, and all of a sudden, you guys want to make this molehill into a huge mountain. Yeah, but nobody's getting benched. Well, here's Dude, the thing: I mean, is come you're right. Everyone I mean, does on. have he a bad game. Took a hit late. They took him out. He and was he was cleared, cleared to play. Cleared to play, I and understand. they they kept Sam Darnold. Listen, Tom, you're right. Everyone has a bad game, and sometimes even MVPs, candidates. Get benched for Sam Darnold. So when Christian McCaffrey has a lackluster game, guess who's RB1 for the 49ers <laughs> next week? Sammy D. Sam Darnold. Sammy D's getting 20 handoffs <laughs> next week. Uh, good point here made by um, Rick S. He says Tom has had a bad game. He's right. Everybody has believe, a bad game. I don't believe that. Everybody's believe that, had a bad game. Jake You're Browning right. had a bad game. Jake Browning is disgusting. Yeah, well, we'll get to that later. Uh, the Dolphins won a big game. Against a good opponent, really, for the first time this year, 22-20 over Dallas. The guy who's got it going on right now, fellas, is Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. I mean, this cat's got it going on. He throws for nearly 300 yards, two touchdowns. 
as the surging Buccaneers beat limping Jacksonville 30-12. to Tampa Bay's won four straight games to take the NFC South lead. Now, that's standing very much still on the line. They play at home this weekend against the Saints. Both New Orleans and Atlanta sit one game back of the Bucs with two to go. In the NFC, the Niners are the one seed, followed by Philly and then Detroit. Now, each team has 11 wins. But the Niners own the tiebreaker over both of those teams should it end in a tie. The Bucks are number four, followed by the Cowboys, Rams, and Seahawks. College football, bowl season is kicked into full gear. Kansas won a postseason game for the first time since 2008 with a win over UNLV last night in Phoenix. Their quarterback, Jason Bean, throws for 449 yards and six touchdowns. Four more games scheduled today, including... The fight in Scott Satterfield. That's right. That's right. Big one. Big one as he takes on USC. Is he going to be on the sideline? Uh, I think he will be on the sideline for that, actually. Yeah, I think Emory Jones is traveling, Coach, too. Coach Sat down there. Where is that game tonight? No idea. Is that the Pop-Tart Bowl? Do you that, need a visor for that bad boy? It's in Satterfield's backyard. <laughs> that kickoff is at 8 o'clock on Fox. College basketball, UC and Xavier. Getting a nice Christmas break here. Won't play until the weekend or beyond the weekend. And in pro basketball, man, oh, man, the Detroit Pistons lost their 27th consecutive game, setting an NBA single-season record. Can you imagine 27 in a row? That's brutal. Since October 28th, the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Detroit Pistons have the same amount of wins. (laughs) Exactly one. They were. Could you imagine, Tom, if you went into a coma when right after the the, the day the Pistons went two and one to start their season? <laughs> just a diehard, just, just a diehard Pistons, Pistons fan. This is our year. The this bad boys year. are back. Falls into a coma right after they go two and one. Boom, lose twenty seven in a row. <laughs> so make that guy up. Brutal. <laughs> you know, it, it's Brutal. interesting about the NBA. Their ratings are absolutely falling apart. There was an interesting article over the weekend in the Wall Street Journal of how the NFL stole Christmas. And you know what? I found myself agreeing with that. A lot of people don't. Everybody watching this show is a sports fan. I just, something about it I didn't like. I watched some of it, clearly. But the NBA used to own that Christmas Day for a long time. I didn't watch that at all. But apparently nobody's watching that sport right now. If you've looked at some of their ratings... The last couple of years, this sport's going right in the tank. Big time. And it's not like people are south on basketball because college basketball, both men's and women's, especially women's, has gone through the roof, exploding ratings-wise. It's very interesting. You never hear anything said about Adam Silver and the job that he does. People want to beat down Roger Goodell. All he does is just continue to build this snowball that rolls down the mountain and plows everybody in front. That's right. right? And people kill Goodell. What is Adam Silver doing? He's watching this sport fall apart at the seams. The NBA is so weird for me to get a a finger on the pulse because we don't have a team here in Cincinnati. I don't know anybody. Seriously. And, and really have never known anybody in my life that, that watches a lot of NBA basketball. I mean, they might turn on a game here and there. They'll turn on the NBA Finals, but that's about it. I, I don't sit down and watch the NBA, so it's hard for me to, to really gauge how well the league is doing. I, I don't know if it's the fans are just tired of uh, 
pretty much the the conference finals being being determined before the season starts every year because that's how it was for a long time. It's gotten a little, little more even now, but yeah, I don't know what's going on with that league. But you you are right. Everyone always criticizes Roger Goodell. Yeah, and I think he's the best commissioner in in all of professional sports, bar none. I think Silver's Sil- Silver is pretty good. I, I mean, Silver markets the players like nobody else. The NBA has the best marketing uh, in sports. I'd, I'd say. NFL is pretty close to that. But Roger Goodell, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that he stole Christmas. Growing up, I would never really watch a ton of NBA, but I always watched it on Christmas Day. They made it a big deal. That was that was really uh, NBA's, I don't know, I don't want to compare it to the Super Bowl, but that was their big ratings day. They, they'd kill Christmas. Everybody would turn on a game. Everybody would bet the under uh, and all that stuff. But right now, it does seem like, it does seem like Roger Goodell found a way to uh, completely ruin that for – for the national basketball, but it won't be next year. No, like, it's it's only. I mean, this will That's happen right. every six years when That's right. when Christmas falls around a, around the weekend, right? So it's not going to happen when Christmas is on a Wednesday or a Thursday. You're right. Next well, year, I think it's, it's on, on a Thursday. Wednesday. Thursday night football. I mean, yeah, okay. I think I still think it'll happen tomorrow, or I still think it'll happen next year on Wednesday. Is Christmas on a Wednesday next year? That's what. Uh, yes, says. yes. That's according to everyone in here. Okay, let's get to the Bengalis. We got uh, Kyle Kasky coming up. Here in about uh, 12 minutes. Uh, I mean, you could go on and on and on and on. On and on and on. This is another example. When you stop and think that the Bengals this year, and you can say, well, is your backup quarterback? Well, that's true. But is Kenny Pickett a legit starting quarterback? I don't know. Mason Rudolph, he hadn't been. And you lost to that team twice. And Saturday's game was an embarrassment. Total embarrassment in every single facet of the game. Casey, your thoughts, if any. Yeah, uh, I was disappointed just like everyone else. Um, But I'm not going to overreact to this. Mainly because I feel like the game really wasn't like won and lost on a team effort. I know it feels that way, but when you look at it, really it was George Pickens had 200 yards and two touchdowns on four receptions. There was four big, big plays on crucial downs that absolutely killed the Bengals on defense. I mean, look at the rest of the stats. They were 30 for 113, that's only 3.8 yards a carry. Yep. And I know they had two touchdowns, but they were getting down in the red zone and converting in the red zone. Yep. I thought they did a decent job without DJ Reader. And I, you go back and look at the film, poor BJ Hill. I mean, he was just getting double teamed every time, getting pushed back five, six yards. It That wasn't good. Yep. But if you take away George Pickens, right, if you were, if you were to – wipe away the mistakes on the secondary, which a lot of what-ifs there, I think they have a much better game on defense. Now, that didn't happen. And we got to look at the secondary because it got exposed by George Pickens. (laughs) And it wasn't just DJ Turner. It wasn't just Dax Hill. Awuzier gave up some big plays. Secondary, not a great day. On offense, it just wasn't Jake Browning's day. Not his day at all. I mean... He tries to throw the ball out of bounds, and he basically throws up a punt to three Steelers. I yeah. mean, I, 
could not be a worse way to start the offense. And, you know, on top of that, offensive line got bullied again. And it wasn't like we've got guys that are journeymen that won't be on the team later on. Maybe Jonah Williams won't be there next right. year. Here's the Jonah but, Williams game. But, yeah, game. Jonah Williams got his tail kicked. Orlando Brown, I mean, he's getting bullied by Alex Highsmith. Yep. That's not even their best edge rusher. Volson's getting bullied by uh, the Cam Hayward. And, I mean, that, that that's what happened three, four weeks ago. So, they didn't really change their game plan. And maybe we would have seen more running, but they were down 21 to nothing. 24 to nothing at the, the the end of the half. So where, where do you run the ball? You can't you can't run you can't establish the run when you're down that much. Yeah. So people that want to say they needed to run the ball more, I get that. But when you're down 24 nothing, you got to start throwing to get back into the game. T Higgins had a great play coming out of the half, but then you give up another big play to George Pickens, makes it 30 something to 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 eight, and you just can't come back from that. You just can't. Casey, I don't mean to pick on you here, but you yeah. you, you, you were like, I'm not going to be overly down on this team. I, I, I don't want to say any, it was any of the players. Then you went and picked apart every single every single part of this Bengals team. So the right. line was bad. But the I, secondary was bad. The Jake Bra the quarterback was bad. Punter was bad. The punter, I, I mean, I, I know, oh but I feel gosh. like I feel like it all oh. stemmed from like four or five plays. It wasn't like the whole entire game. Like it, it started off with the George Pickens eighty-six yard slant to the house, right? And then after that, the Jake Browning interception—two really just like dumb, dumb plays where it's just like, how do you give that up? How do you throw that ball? And then from there, it just snowballed on both sides. I don't feel like that truly reflects the, I guess, the talent level or the the how they should have performed. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I, how many times are you going to give up a deep ball to George Pickens? Listen, like, how many times is Jake Browning going to throw a, a gimme ball in the back of the end zone when he's trying to throw it out of bounds? Like, that that just doesn't truly reflect what this team is, who they are. Well, I think well, it was just a bad I game. I want to kill Jake Browning for a second because if we're going to talk about that, that interception, which I think is maybe the worst interception I've seen from a quarterback – if an NFL quarterback, and, and listen, he's been fantastic over the last three weeks. He's been more than serviceable as a, as a backup. He's been, he, he really has been great. I mean, you, you mentioned all the stats. It's, he's had some of the best stats for the first four starts in a, yep. in a quarterback's history. But if you're a quarterback in the National Football League and you're yeah. trying to throw the ball out of bounds. You can't do that, yeah. And you... You missed by like four yards, five. Like we're, we're, he was eight yards short of the end. He was four yards in from the out of bounds. It was like how, do, feet. how does how does a how does a National Football League quarterback try to throw the ball out of bounds and can't do that? That that it's not even that's that one play isn't the reason the Bengals lost. I just I just can't wrap my brain around how how the dude that is playing professional football as a quarterback is trying to throw the ball out of bounds and, and throws it ten feet in play and, and ten feet short. I. It, Besides the point, but it was it was a, it was a complete embarrassment. Listen, I I talked last week before we went off for for the holidays about how the Steelers have completely warped my my brain as a, as a Bengals fan. I'm trying to shed 
all of the pain of yesteryears of being a Bengals fan every time I watch them because they do come back. They do do these things that old Bengals teams don't do. But for some reason, when we go head-to-head against Mike Tomlin, it, it, it turns into tough sledding. And we're sitting around making fun of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin's lost the locker room. George Pickens is a bum. And what does George Pickens do? He completely tears up the team. There wasn't a single aspect of the game that you can look at and have some redeeming qualities if you're a Bengals fan. The pass rush wasn't there. The secondary was non-existent. They, They couldn't establish the running. And then they got behind, so they couldn't run the ball at all. And on top of that, Jake Browning plays tear. Like, it, across the board was was very reminiscent of what we thought this team was going to be after they lost the Steelers the first time. We thought we were going to see this for seven more weeks. So it's 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 a consistent and it's consistently inconsistent, right? Two steps forward, nine steps back. Three steps forward, 12 steps back with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm sitting here trying to talk up Zach Taylor because I do think he's done a fantastic job as a coach. But then you show up for a game that with playoff aspirations against the easiest team you have on your schedule remaining, and you completely no-show the game. I don't know how the hell that happens. I, I was watching it on Saturday, and it was just it was a nightmare. It, losing to the Steelers in general is terrible. They've owned us. They are now 70-39 and 39 against the Bengals all-time. Oh, losing, 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 <laughs> losing a game that's essentially not a must-win, but it's a, it's a pretty much a playoff yeah, game. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's pretty much a playoff game. You, right. you, you have to win two or three to get into the postseason. That was one you think you can win. Losing a game like that is tough. Losing to, to a Steelers team with on their third-string quarterback that should be their third-string quarterback and Mason Rudolph, losing to a team that hasn't been successful at throwing the ball all season long, getting absolutely eviscerated by Najee Harris, it was an embarrassment. To not be competitive in that football game is a joke. And this is why I make jokes about Zach Taylor, and this is why I'll never really believe in him, because it's almost impossible for a yep. team to show such progress, sh- such hope. It gives the, they give the fan base such hope. They play so well. And then they'll, it all just disappears. Good teams don't do that. The Kansas City Chiefs, they look terrible against the Raiders, but they were in the game. They were competitive. Very rarely do you see the Kansas City Chiefs get blown out. The Eagles get blown out. Very rarely. It happens, but rarely. It happens to Taylor a couple times a year where it's like, what are you doing? How is this? How is this? How is this possible? And Jake Browning again. I've been I've been on the I've been on the Jake Browning bandwagon since he since he started playing well against the Jaguars. But at the end of the day, he has been terrible. He wasn't good. He wasn't good yesterday on, on Saturday. He hasn't been very good. I think he gets he gets away with a lot of stuff because of the screens, and, and maybe that's the new offense. But I'm watching that game, and it's like Drew. Or, uh, it's Drew Sample in on every single third down. It's been that's been that like it has weeks. not been that it has not been that way on every single third down. It not has not been Drew Sample. Play, did, it has not been for 75. percent It's been maybe 25. percent He'll come in, but it is not. It is not more than it is more than not where Drew Sample is in every single third down. That is a new. That was a new phenomenon, uh, and it was bad. Jake Brown. It makes you wonder if that T Higgins catch, if that's what he was trying to do yesterday. If it's the same thing, he was just trying to throw it out of bounds, but he's so bad that it somehow stayed in bounds. And luckily, I don't understand how that happened. And luckily, T. Higgins was down there to catch it. Maybe that was the same exact throw. How do you miss your trajectory by 25 feet? Here's the thing, Tom, and he he brought up a point about um, just getting bullied, just getting blown out. The Bengals have been blown out for, for better or worse four times this year. They got blown out on Saturday against the Steelers. 
They got blown out in week one against the Browns. They got blown out in Nashville, Tennessee against the Tennessee Titans. And they got blown out when Joe Burrow got hurt on Thursday Night Football against the Ravens. What do those four teams have in common, Tom? The Browns, Ravens, Titans, Steelers. Physical football teams. That's the name of the game. And that's the one thing that Zach Taylor can't overcome. When he's playing teams that, you know, kind of kind of move the ball all around, like, like, like the, the Chiefs. Like we've had a lot of success against the Chiefs. The game plan's good. But when it comes down to, to playing between the tackles, Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals, they, they, they can't fit the bill. They can't fit the bill. They, they cannot get as physical. They cannot play these physical games against these physical teams. Well, and look no further to back up your point. 0-5 in the division. Right. 0-5 in the division against teams that everybody looks at. Good, bad, or indifferent. The M.O., at least for the last couple of years, as the Browns have gotten better under Stefanski, right? The, the Ravens have always been good. The Steelers have always been good. People look at them as bullies. That's what they look at those teams as, bullies. Whereas the Bengals are viewed as the skill, right. quarterback, wide receiver, running back, got it going on. You know, let's send our receivers out there and just sling it around. Well... Most plays in a football game, you've got to line up and hit somebody. The guy who's lined up across from you in the line of scrimmage. And it's a mano e mano. You're going to get bullied or you're going to do the bully. And inside their own division, they have been embarrassed. Kyle Kasky, he was along the NFL sidelines for a long, long time as a coach. Here with the Bengals for a decade. And has his show. You saw it last night. It's always great to have him on to talk about what's really going on. We were pumping up your show yesterday, Kyle. Hope it went well last night. Post-Merry Christmas. Hope you had a good Christmas, first and foremost, and most important thing of all. Well, no, it was a great Christmas here, man. I mean, uh, you know, Santa came. We got a uh, 6'4 and a 2-year-old, and Santa came, visited them. They, I guess they've been good. I've, I've seen different uh, throughout yeah. the year. But, uh, you know, uh, he, he brought me some cologne, so I'll put it on for you guys. But I don't know if you can smell it today or not. But I, I, I can't. That's all I got. So. I can't. Uh, but and no, it, it smells good. It doesn't smell much like the Bengals did on uh, Sunday I can pro or on Saturday. I can promise you. What happened? Uh, I, I was listening to what y'all were just talking about there right before I came on, and I think you hit it on the head. They, they got bullied around and up front. I think if you take a look at a team like one of my former teams, the Detroit Lions that I was on, and what they're doing, they've got all the skill guys too now, and they've got a good quarterback in golf that's playing at a high level. And, but they still they, they will line up and still run it down your throat if they need to, and it lines up their play actions and their naked and their naked throws and different things. And it, it takes guys out of just doing what Pittsburgh did the other day. Pittsburgh blitzed 12 out of like 58 snaps, which is not normal for Pittsburgh, I, at least in my uh, recollection of them. What, what, I'm, what that's telling you is this. They played a, a mix of cover two, Tampa two, uh, two man and cover three. So they had three coverages with four man rushes for the majority of the time, except for 12 snaps. And what they were saying right there was, we just need four guys up front. We, you know, we'll let our, the rest of our guys, you know, play the run when they need to, but we're going to drop into coverage and we're going to take the pass away from you. And we're daring you to run. And, you know, they still didn't run it enough. I, I would say, and I get it now. Uh, one of y'all said it a minute ago about, you know, it was 24 to nothing. I think Casey was talking about it, it was 24 yeah. to nothing at one point. Uh, and it was seven to nothing real quick. And I think the mentality of this team, this current team is when you get down early, 
uh, you're, you're throwing to get back in it. And that's not necessarily true when it's a one, maybe, you know, a 10, one score, maybe 10 point game, you know, it gets to 14, 21, 24. Yeah. You know, you probably should start throwing it and get some chunk yardage, but they were getting bullied, man. I mean, go watch Pittsburgh's run game. They were taking the line of scrimmage and pushing it back five, six yards at a time on the goal line, doing the same thing. And then up front with the, uh, with the Bengals O line, they were pinching with their three techniques and, uh, moving around and it was causing some issues on the run game. And then obviously, I mean, they just got flat ran around a few times uh, in the pass rush. So it, it, it all started right there. I mean, it just started with the mentality. I, and again, I don't know what it is about Pittsburgh, but it's been that way since I was there, been that way probably since before I was there was uh, the Bengals when it comes to Pittsburgh have a little bit different mentality. And I don't know why they don't have to, uh, you know, just go in there and pretend like they've got on, you know, white helmets and white shirts mm-hmm. and, and white pants and just go like, don't, don't think of any logos. Don't think of where you're at. Just play against the dudes that are there. And apparently they, it's just a problem right now. I want to, I want to take a look before we get, no, let, let's stay with the offensive line because you coached uh, uh, in the offensive line in the NFL for a long, long time, along with a running backs coach with the Bengals when you were here among others. But when you look at that line and, 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 and coach, I've asked you about this so many times, I feel like we're beating a, you know, a, a dead horse, so to speak. But it seems like, you know, Reed pointed out a moment ago, with this group, you'll have a, a two steps forward, three steps back. Two steps forward, one step back. When you watch the offensive line collectively, and you can break it down individually if you want to, Jonah Williams had a tough day. A lot of guys have a tough day against T.J. Watt. I mean, they do. He's a great player. He's one of the best in the league. But – you know, if you're starting to look ahead to next year and you've got all those guys under contract instead of Jonah Williams, except for Jonah Williams, do you keep that same group together? I mean, you know Brown's not going anywhere. You've signed Karras and Kappa's free agents, each with another year left, and Volson's a young guy. But, but, but what would you do looking at that line moving forward? Uh, well, here's what's nuts about the line is everybody wanted to beat up on Volson and and honestly, when I'm doing my <clears throat> film review, like he's one of the few that doesn't, he doesn't show up all that often. Yeah, he shows up every once in a while because he's going to. I mean, any offensive lineman is going to get beat from time to time during a game because obviously those defensive linemen are, are highly paid players too. But when you look at the the tackle play right now, and you, you, you all mentioned it earlier, it's inconsistent. It's consistently inconsistent. And I think a lot of it has to do with the the flow of the game. And, and again, I've said this before about it's it's hard to be a good run team when you never run the ball and uh, you know there's a rhythm you get into now uh, somebody came back at me one time and said well they should be great pass blockers because that's all they do pass blocking and run blocking are two different worlds and the the pass blocking world is you're setting on a different person every single week a different skill set it may be T.J. Watt one week but it may be you know. Uh, some guy that you've never heard of the next right. week and that that's, you know, coming into his own. But you, when you're going against those guys, yeah, if you, if you noticed, even on Highsmith, they were setting a little differently. They were setting almost vertical and hoping to get them to go back inside. And there was, there was a couple of them that, that beat them too. You know, they, they were worried about getting run around, but to answer your question about put keeping the group together, uh, you know, it's it's hard for me to sit here and say that they're a bad, like a physically bad group. I don't think they're physically bad. I just think it's there's there is an inconsistency in what they're being told to do from week to week. And I know you guys mentioned it earlier about uh, you know Browning and and the way he was playing and and uh, uh, Sample being in the backfield. 
Well, what do you think TJ Watt and Highsmith are thinking when uh, when Drew Sample's in the backfield? They're thinking pass, 100%. And, yeah, it could be third and three. But if you got Joe Mixon back there on third and three, you could still run the ball, and you got to respect that. But when you put Drew Sample back there in the backfield, you are doing that for protection purposes. That's That's 100%. And you take a receiving threat out of the backfield that could be a Chase Brown, uh, you know, and, and that's where if you watch Philadelphia, that's one of the big things Philadelphia does, man. They 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 leave Swift in the backfield and you don't know, is it, is it run pass and he could come out of the backfield, he could protect, he could run. And that, I think it's, it's more of when you're talking about the line, they've got to figure out more of a consistent route from week to week and not make it such a uh, one sided version each week. Um, defensively, the Bengals signed both linebackers in the offseason to long-term deals, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Some have suggested that the reason they're not as good this year is because they don't have the safeties behind them. Is there any logic to that argument? Uh, early there might have been. Uh, there, is a, there is a safety net to uh, linebackers knowing that they've got somebody behind them that's physical. And I, one of the points I made in the show last night was, I see Jordan Battle starting to come up and, and be more physical in the box and, and be more of a run defender. And that that's something I know that early in the year they they were there were some times where they were got there were two guys in the same gap or and it was almost like people were trying to overcompensate for each other. And now it looks to me like those guys are maybe a, allowing them to play a little bit more. But you know, they you talk about being signed to long term deals. Um, I don't know either one of those two guys. They weren't there when I was there. I, I would assume that they're professionals and they're gonna play as hard and, and prepare as hard. Um, people are going to give them a hard time saying, man, well, they got their money. <clears throat> I would put that on the back burner. I've watched Logan Wilson enough to know and Pratt enough to know uh, they're really good players. And sometimes, man, I mean, I know Logan Wilson was hurt there for a while and he looked a, a, a step slower in a few games. But, I mean, as of late, the guy's making plays. Um, if those safeties can progress like they're progressing because they're doing a good job. I mean, those, especially Dax Hill and uh, Jordan Battle, they're doing a, a really good job of progressing in the run-stopping part of it, which I think will help those linebackers out a ton. So um, when that keeps going, I, I think you'll see I think you'll see progression as time goes on. It wasn't as bad from that point of view in this last game as I've seen it in previous games. All right, I know you're going to join us again on Friday to talk more about Kansas City and, and looking at their team. But just from a, you know, a big-picture standpoint, we mentioned earlier – you know, they've lost five of their last seven games. They've lost three in a row at home. Uh, and we had made the comment here a number of weeks ago that they're just not the same Kansas City Chiefs, at least on offense. They're better than they've ever been during the Mahomes era on defense. Can the Bengals go in there and win uh, Sunday? I think I think they have a, a chance. Now, here's what I want people to understand. People are going to watch that Kansas City game and go, oh, man, they, they're not the same Kansas City team. We got, we're going there. We're going to beat them. Uh, they're also watching the Pittsburgh game and what they just saw the Bengals do too. So, I mean, the Bengals have got to fix themselves too before they go in there, but they need to have the mentality because they've done it and gone in there. Now, the, the thing about Kansas City's defense is if you go watch that Las Vegas game, I believe their defense only gave up like three points. And yep. the rest of that was off of, uh, um, you know, like a seven-second span where they had a pick six and a fumble return and a two-point conversion. So they got like 15 points in, in seven seconds on defense. And the offense problem, though, this is where the defense for the Bengals needs to be really good. Stay in coverage. Keep Mahomes in check. Don't let him run all over you. But 
their receivers are not what they used to be. That scramble drills, broken plays, that's where Kansas City won Super Bowls. They win Super Bowls off of that stuff. They don't win Super Bowls off of, you know, running straight ahead at you. They, they win Super Bowls off of that, finding some play here and there, like a trick play like they did in the Super Bowl. I call it a trick, but like beating man coverage in certain ways. But they went on broken plays, and their receivers, like one of the uh, interceptions Mahomes had, he threw the ball, and then he's pointing at the receiver like, keep coming, keep coming. Like, the receiver just stopped. I don't remember which one it was, Vantez Scantling or or uh, Ross. It was one of those guys um, that's – I've honestly never heard of the one guy. And, right. uh, you know, they're, they're out there playing with these guys, and Kelsey's trying they, – they got him double, triple covered every day. They ain't letting Kelsey beat you. So, you know, I think right now that's the biggest issue is just take care of Kelsey, take care of Mahomes, and then – Honestly, just let the rest of the people ride. I don't know where uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been, but he showed up one time in that last game, but they're not using him much either. No, they're not. I, I'm kind of miffed by that because he's come back from injury. Pacheco's been hurt a lot. I'm, I'm with you there. Last thing I want to ask you about, I, I'm curious, uh, when you're down there on the sideline and you watch some of the stuff that's gone on with the Chiefs here recently, uh, they had the – you know, Mahomes walking off the field. You can read his lips. Get the effing play called, man. You know, you got Kelsey throwing helmets on the sideline. You got Mahomes undressing offensive linemen on the sideline. Maybe he was talking him up, pumping him up. I don't know. But it didn't look good. When you, when you have those kinds of things going on the sideline, do we make a bigger deal about those things as a fan or the media than they actually are? Or if you're down there and you see these things start to happen, you start to say, this is not good. Uh, it depends. Like, again, you, you couldn't really necessarily hear what he was saying to those linemen. There are times where the linemen, he might go down there. Like, you've, everybody's seen the Peyton Manning thing where he goes down to Jeff Saturday and says, quit calling plays. If I, if I want to run the ball, I'll run the ball or whatever. You know, and like, there's times where sometimes it's just they go down and they're saying something to him like, you, you know, you just need to do your job, man. You're trying to do too much. Just chill out. And they, you know, but again, they're, they're upset. If you, I don't know if anybody's watched hard knocks with the dolphins, but um, last night there was one, they came in at halftime. Um, it was a Cowboys game with the dolphins and um, Tua walked up to his tackle and he's like, Hey man, I know I'm younger than you. I respect you, but man, you cannot let them run around you like that. You know, and stuff like, like he basically had to, you know, was like trying to scold him without being, like mad at because you know they, sure. they get mad it's it's a they're, they're these are highly infused testosterone men right now you know when they're out there i mean everything's running at a high level and uh you're gonna get mad now the stuff with the throwing the helmets um i, I always had a deal with my guys i'm like guys like i, I get it if you want to throw your helmet you know but you, you got to understand that's a bad bad look and you're gonna have to answer questions for it if you do that and most of the time m most guys would come over and they might slam it in front of them they, but to throw it and you know, I, I saw one guy one time throw a helmet and like it launched back behind the behind the bench and almost took about three people out. And that's not cool, man. But, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, you got to address that. And some of that is bad. Yeah. But sometimes when when you see them getting, um, you know, a little uh, excited talking to each other. And I got one one quick story I, <clears throat> when it was the Thanksgiving game uh, when I was in Detroit, Adrian Peterson was on the team and, <clears throat> you know, we, we had a little disagreement on the sideline and it just happened to the the cameras were panned right on us on a national television game and him and i are like having a little heated discussion and then literally we just went back into it and put him back in the game and i had forgotten about it and then somebody sent i, I go to my phone and there's like 20 text messages some videos and i'm like 
what it what is this like we were just having a talk and everybody's like man they thought you and him were getting after each i was like well we kind of were but it didn't honestly we both forgot about it so mm -hmm. you know i think that that's kind of a, a a good look at what it really is I, I i'm with you all the way that's why i i preface by saying with mahomes we don't know exactly what he said he could, he could have been trying to pump him up but but it's just the the look like you're referring to in your situation the look isn't always great all right man well uh we'll catch up with you on friday we thank you as always for your time and uh, have a great rest of your day, my friend. Yes, sir. You too. All righty. Coach Kyle Kasky. We love having that guy here on Chatterbox Sports. I made the comment on Twitter yesterday on X. Pardon me, X. That on your show, you know, we all of us are fans. You know, the great thing about sports is we think we know more as much about the guys who are actually there, the play callers, the coaches, whatever it might be, right? And, and obviously we don't. Uh, and so one of the uh, – one of the uh, – one of the guys that stands out in my mind that I worked with for years and I always said, man, I, I hope that I can always have his curiosity to be willing to learn was the late, great Tim McCarver. Did a ton of baseball games with him. And man, the dude would walk into meetings with the manager or whatever it might be. And he was always, always so curious about things. And, and, no, and no one, Joe Morgan and Tim McCarver, nobody knew more about baseball than those two guys. And Bob Brindley. I put those three guys in a category above anybody I've ever been around. Nobody knows the game more than all three of those guys. Ironically enough, right? Two of the three catchers. But we can always learn. And that Kyle Kasky show, you can learn so much about football, blocking patterns, mm -hmm. blocking schemes, what's a defense trying to do. Great stuff on that show. I highly recommend 530 on Tuesdays, yep, yep. recaps right here on Chatterbox. Go to YouTube, Chatterbox Sports. It's every single Tuesday at 5.30. And we love to have him on to break down the game after. Sorry, this is a Wednesday to do that. I know this is boring stuff for a lot of people, including me, to be honest, because it's old news. It's time now to look ahead. Yeah, no doubt about it. Listen, they got to look ahead. Kansas City Chiefs up ahead and uh, two games that are going to be going to be huge. Kansas City Chiefs are 3-5 and five in their last eight games. Lost three straight games at a, at home at Browning Head. I don't know about you guys. Browning Head. Browning Head. Yes. Browning Head. Allen okay. Head. At Brandon, yeah, it's Brandon people Allen's. like Casey who walked around <laughs> Burrow Head, calling it Burrow Head. <clears throat> that that the guy, two biggest games they were one and one in well, Burrow. He, he, he the the rest of them are to, meaningless. To meaningless. What Regular season, nothing. In the two biggest games. One and one. Go ahead, Casey. I was just going to say that, uh, well, actually, it's not the two biggest games. That would be two and one if that were the case because he won the AFC championship, right? Well, or, see, what, the what two did you biggest say? games right, are the, the two, two AFC, AFC championship, championship games. games. He's so one, one and one. one. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. We're, we're on the same page now. Um, Am I missing something in here? No, no. Well, did Casey have yeah, too much eggnog? Yeah, I think I that's what it was. I was clarifying. Am I not allowed to clarify on this show? Let me, let me ask questions. I think he's on that Aaron Rodgers good stuff over there. Aaron Rodgers, humble guy. <laughs> Leader of men. Whatever. Uh, continue, Tom. I think it's going to be called McCarron Head once Browning gets benched halfway through the game on Dude, Sunday. Dude, come on. <laughs> I mean, between Brock Purdy and Jake Browning, and I'm not comparing those two guys in any form or fashion. You, you certainly could. But, have. I mean, each of them has a bad game, and you want to just write them both off. I'm not. Guys can have a bad game. That's right. 
You're allowed to have a bad game. Listen, I'm not I'm not selling all the stock on Jake Browning that I had. That was a terrible, terrible game. He had some terrible, terrible throws. But as we all know, Pittsburgh Steelers are tough sledding. So I'm not gonna tough I'm not sledding. Gonna, I'm not gonna sell him off on that one. Jake Browning has been has been greater than my wildest dreams could have imagined as the backup quarterback to Joe Burrow in his in his five starts. He's had two tough games. He's been fantastic. He's been fantastic in two of them, been okay in one of them and the other ones. But uh, other than that, yeah, it is what it is. Listen, Tom, this is a t- <laughs> going going to Kansas City, regardless of how bad they're playing, regardless of what they look like as a team, will always be a tough ask. Just like regardless of how the Pittsburgh Steelers look going to Heinz Field, because as we all know, the Pittsburgh Steelers looked terrible for three straight weeks, yep. got blown out by the Colts, lost to two of the three worst teams in the league. Yep. And here they go, and they just completely wax the Cincinnati Bengals. Going to Burrowhead is always going to be a Burrow. tough ass. Now it's Burrowhead. Browning head, Burrowhead. It'll mix up. I'll call it. It about was in game. his head there right before he said, "You could see, you could see." That's him right. Tremble. Wrestling. It was uh, yeah. It's Started gonna, with a B. Were we going be, with the? Were we going with a consonant or a vowel? What were you doing? <laughs> it's a uh, listen. It's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs are always going to be a tough team, but everything that everyone's been telling me is true. Right, I've I've been I've sat here and I have defended Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, you have practically all year, because of what Patrick Mahomes has done in the past, what he did last year with pretty much no wide receivers winning the Super Bowl, all that. I said, listen, I think they've got the best quarterback in the league. I think they got the best coach in the league. You're going to win a lot of games, but you sit down and you watch the Kansas City Chiefs. They used to be kind of fun to watch. You sit down, they're going to light it up, throw it across the field. Even if you hated them, it's it, it was fun football to enjoy. Now you sit down and you watch them, and it's terrible. Yeah. It's not even fun to watch anymore. They really are. Every single thing they do, where it used to be easy, you used to sit and watch the Kansas City Chiefs and, and wonder, why the heck can't the Bengals do that? Why can't my favorite football team do that? Now you sit and watch the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're like, man, it's it looks tough. It's a struggle. It looks tough. I mean, running the ball, tough. Getting an open man downfield. Patrick, someone put it Catching in, a pass. Right. I, someone put it up there. Every single time that Patrick Mahomes dropped back, and, and yeah, there was some pressure on him, but he would have a second or two to, to read the field, nobody open. So he's just running for his life out there. It looks so tough for the Kansas City Chiefs, but here's the thing. Every single quarterback that's played against the Cincinnati Bengals as of late has had their lunch. Has, has made everything look easy. We just had Mason Rudolph throw for 300 yards. We had Kenny Pickett have a career day against us. Yep. Nick Mullins for 400. So... We're going to go into this game and think we're going to shut down the best quarterback in the league in Patrick Mahomes? I don't know. And I, I think, don't know. And Casey and I have, have talked about this earlier on, but the Bengals have been killed on these broken plays. C.J. Stroud, that game against the Texans here at home, it was broken play city for him, and he threw for 600. We had Lamar Jackson coming into town uh, in the game we almost won. Broken play city, he threw for 300. It's, it's, it's just crazy, and, and, and as Coach Kasky said – the broken plays are how the Chiefs make their money a little bit. Patrick Mahomes extends the play, right. and then somebody gets open. I think it's going to be a disaster. I think it's going to be, uh, I, but at the same time, at the same time, these are the games Zach Taylor will win. Zach Taylor will win this You're game. You're right. Zach Taylor That's will true. win this game by 15, and against the Browns, who won't be playing for anything uh, on Week 18, we'll lose Maybe that not. game. There's a there's a scenario in which the. Uh, I don't want to say a likely scenario, but there's not a whole lot that has to happen for the Browns for them to be competing for the one seed next week. Well, that ain't is, happening. Well, I know what you're saying. There's, well, a, there's listen, a road there. I get it. But well, Baltimore is not losing two straight. 
if, especially if they know they have to play. All they have to do is win one and it's over. Right. Well, like for them to, for the Browns to just even be competing for the one seed it's next amazing. week, all they have to do is win tomorrow and have the Dolphins win on Sunday. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll, have, they'll have a shot in the Not final week to win the division and be Baltimore the one seed. Baltimore would have to lose against Pittsburgh and Cleveland would have to beat the Bengals. Correct. Yes. All right. Let's take a timeout. We got lots to get to today, including we were talking about Purdy earlier. They put up a graphic during the game the other night, which is really when you, you consider, and he hadn't been around very long. He only took over as a starter about a third of the way through last season. But when you look at this guy's numbers, the NFC versus the AFC, it is mind-boggling. Well, when he's got to play a better conference, he, he, he struggles Especially a bit. the AFC North. I mean, his numbers are unbelievable, the difference. We'll get into that later. We got Marty Brenneman coming up at 11. Still no deal for the Reds. No Christmas present for you, Elliot. None. Right? I think the Dodgers are going to get a couple more before the Reds get one. <laughs> Add a couple more to their billion. Which, by the way, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a big analytics guy when it comes to – because I, I, I don't know how to look at it or find it or whatever. And shame on me. I'm sure it's very easy to do. But Casey and, and Elliot and Reed are all very good at this about some of our – um, social media stuff that goes out. And then, you know, you can always look at how many people viewed it, how many people liked it or disliked it. Um, and I, I was surprised if I heard you guys correctly. And again, we'll get to this after my dad, that there were a lot of people that didn't like the take about the Dodgers that I had, that the Dodgers are making it hard for people to not like baseball as much. We'll get into that a little bit later on. So let's take a break, ad break. Casey, the floor is all yours. Come on, Casey, step up. You're a little down. Step up. Get back in the eggnog. I mean, I'll bring it in tomorrow if you want Let's to get go, into Casey. it in the morning. Come on. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> All right. The uh, Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. The path to innovation begins here. Visit Encore.tech. Productivity. Yep. There it is. And then let me tell you about Pawnee Water. Made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Some Drink super lots. chats. Yep, read the soupy, soupy yep. whoopies. I, I, I'm going to get to that. Um, let me go to my queue here because I have them all queued up. First off, Ben Riley with a $20 super chat. hey With the entire offensive line getting a failing grade, in my humble opinion, a used condom would have oh given Jake God. Browning better protection. That's plus no run game and a defense that can't stop a nosebleed. Yeah, you ain't winning like that. Damn right, Ben. Frowning face. And then Parker, Parker Blake, co-host on Chatterbox Bengals, hot take. The O-line didn't look bad as a whole. There were a couple players that have been struggling all season that crumpled. Jonah had a great, in my opinion, had a great game in my humble opinion. Haven't broken open the All-22 film yet. That's fair. Um... At Parker Blake, no opinion or not, objectively, statistically, 
empirically, <laughs> every member of the offensive line not only had a failing grade, it was their worst game. They played bad. Sorry. And then Parker Blake said, so glad Coach Kasky can be the voice of reason for some folks. Keep fighting the good fight for us little little guys. <clears throat> Drew Garrison also with a $5 super chat about Elliot's, Elliot's new digs. Elliot looks so damn cool in his new clothes from Santa. You do look. The, the shoes, the, the sweatshirt, you look nice. You look Thanks. nice. That is, that is being serious. All right, so similar to Elliot in the golf video, we are not an excuse, guys. That's right. I am not an excuse guy when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals. But if I was an excuse guy, as, as in regards to the 0-5 in the AFC North, they played all, all five games without a healthy Joe Burrow. Listen, that doesn't excuse it. It doesn't excuse it. It's still terrible. 0-5 against your own division is inexcusable. But they have not played one game with a healthy Joe Burrow. Casey? Yeah, I mean, it's not even just without a healthy Joe Burrow. This entire season, only 30% of this season has been played with T, Jamar, and Joe all healthy at the same time. And, and that's not including the other injuries that have happened on this team as well. And once again, not an excuse, not guys. An excuse. Oh, not Clint, making... You guys bringing it up makes an excuse. Top, no. top, the Cleveland Browns it. have had four different starting cor- uh, quarterbacks. Well, that's a, that's they a place lost that is known for arguably success. the best pure running back in the league as far as just taking a handoff and running the football. He's been gone virtually the whole year. They've lost every time you turn around a great defensive player. Delpit goes down. They've had uh, Denzel Ward out for Lord knows how long at times this year. Every time you turn around, the Browns have a key member of their team go four quarterbacks. We were talking about this today before the show. We've seen Browning is the backup. Okay, what if A.J. McCarron were to come in? Okay. And then some guy who right now is sitting on his front porch smoking a cigar gets brought in, and he's the fourth guy, and they just rip off win after win after win. That's what the Brownies have done, and you guys are trying to tell me, oh, my God, they haven't had Burrow before three games. Please, please, Everett, Everett Henry brings up a good point. Who's the Browns' best player? The Browns' best player is Miles Garrett. Has he missed time this year? No, he has not. But has he, Joe but, Burrow no, missed but, time this year? Hang on a second. Hang on. If you're going to say that Burrow was limited with a bad uh, ankle, which we know he was, Okay. Miles Garrett's been limited for the better part of the last four and a half, five weeks. He's walking around with a sling during the week on his shoulder and the cat's still getting out there playing. I mean, come I on. I don't like facts. You can't use Burroughs injury <laughs> and not acknowledge Miles Garrett. The other, the other thing that I will not use an excuse, Tom, you just did. Listen, this side of the room, we don't like making excuses. Absolutely no excuses <laughs> oh, for the way the Bengals have played this year. Please. But if there was an excuse, it would be that the fact that out of the 15 games the Bengals have played, 13 of them have been against playoff teams. Now that's fair statement because that's a factual statement. The only two teams that they have that that are, are not trying to get in the postseason at this very moment are the Titans and the Cardinals. Okay. Every other team that the Bengals have played are teams that have very compelling shots to get into the postseason. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, big weekend, no doubt, for Marty Brenneman. Big Christmas weekend. Is he around? Yep, he's ready. He's here. Well, good morning. How are you? Good are morning. You, are you at home, or it looks like you might be down in Ashland, Kentucky? Where are you, if anywhere? We certainly are having a nice day with Amanda's mom and dad and sister and her family. Yes. 
Any lorries lean breaking out there? Uh, no, we haven't had any beef to speak of to eat since we've been here. Uh-huh. No. You, you going vegan on us, or what are you doing? No, I'm not. Absolutely not. I'll leave that for somebody else, not me. No, I don't do that. You know, I have a regular stable diet that uh, does not require any specificity as far as, you know, what you eat or what you don't eat. Um, okay. And I do okay for that. I'm good okay. for that. Okay. Uh, your thoughts, if any, since you, you're just like everybody else in this room. I mean, you had a chance to watch, watch the, uh, the Batlin Bengalis. What are your thoughts yep. about uh, them laying that egg on Saturday? I was very disappointed. Um, uh, I, I have a hard time understanding, and, and you know, and, and I'm, I'm sure that having never played the game, never played any game at a, at a level that would warrant the question, but I don't understand, or the statement, rather, I don't understand how you can be so flat in a game that means so much. Especially, you know, if you if you if you go on the assumption and everybody I talk to and I ask the same question going into that game, if they win two out of the three, so they they would end the year ten and seven. They've got obviously Kansas City and then Cleveland on the road and at home uh, for the two games. Uh, are they in? And most people felt ten and seven would probably get them in. Uh, you have to really wonder about the game coming up this weekend in Kansas City. Not that they couldn't win it, but you certainly don't expect them to be favorites going in. And then they got Cleveland at home. I, I think they can beat Cleveland at home. But at the same time, uh, the game against Pittsburgh is a game that they had to win, and they should have won. And they were so flat, it was sickening. Um I, I have I still have a hard time believing that they lost that football game as emphatically as they did. Um, I think Mike Tomlin, uh, to me, is one of the great coaches in the National Football League. And, and to be able to dominate the Bengals year in and year out in the manner in which he does, sometimes is baffling. I mean, you scratch your head. Uh, you know, they got a, what, a third-string quarterback and Mason Rudolph who's been around for a 1,000 years uh, and gets an opportunity to play because of circumstances. And he goes out there and plays like an all-pro. And he was sensational. Uh, I, I have a hard time understanding, and, and I just feel like if there is anything to be said for the coach's ability to prepare a team, I'm sure there are those who said, hey, the players know how important that game was. And so if they're going to be flat, it's going to be on them and not the coaching staff. And I don't know that I believe all of that. All right. All right. Uh, I noticed behind you there, uh, you have a Cincinnati Reds 150th year anniversary um, sticker on the uh, magnet yeah. in the fridge mm -hmm. back there. Yes. Uh, here yes. we are. Christmas is come and gone. We still have a number of days, handful of days left in the new year or in the old year before the new year. Uh, the Reds have not swung that proverbial deal that we've all been thinking they would for a starting pitcher. I've asked you this before on this show. I'll ask you again. Should you be a little concerned that they haven't done it? Well, I'll answer that question this way. If you had asked me 
in uh, October, do you expect them to come up with a pitcher before the first of the year? I would have said absolutely, unequivocally, yes. So the fact that maybe they have not done it as we talk here on the 27th of December, uh, yeah, it make, I'm a little bit concerned about that. I don't, I don't, again, I haven't talked to anybody, I haven't talked to Nick in forever. Uh, maybe, maybe they feel like, you know what, we're happy with what we got. Yeah. And this is the way it's going to be. Or they can say, you know, we haven't made a deal for a lot of reasons. Most notably, everybody knows that we are looking for a, a, a veteran p pitcher uh, that can help this young rotation. And they're trying to, you know, take everything we have in order to make a deal. I, I, I th This question probably is going to be asked regularly up until the day the last of the so-called pitchers that have been on the market, rumored to be on the market, uh, have been traded to other clubs or the free agent pitchers have signed with other clubs and the issue will become a dead one, which will then raise another question they're going to go with another youthful rotation. Is that going to work? And that that is a subject that obviously is going to come up down the road in the event that they don't make a deal. And so, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say that it, going back to October, if you'd asked me, I would have said that will be done before the first of the year. Here we are four days away from a new year and nothing has been done. So, yeah, I'd say I'm a little bit concerned about that. You know, the thing is, and we talked about this before, uh, about the starting rotation, the way it stands right now, and Nick Crawl has said that Martinez is going to come in with a chance to be a part of the starting rotation, but he has been primarily used as a reliever. And we've talked about how all the young guys, uh, not one of them has pitched a full season at the big league level and how that may affect their innings limit going forward. I, I just don't think enough is being talked about that in that regard. Because let's just say theoretically – Next year, uh, you get into August, uh, and they're in contention like they were this past August. Now, all of a sudden, you're having to, to, to do something with these young guys that they've never gone before, if good Lord willing, they all stay healthy. And then you're looking around and going, gosh, you know, do, do we have to take a guy out in the fifth inning or the fourth inning? I think that's a big deal. I think this bullpen was – I think the bullpen was burned out by September yep. 1st. Yep, yep. Um, and I can foresee the same scenario on September 1st of 2024 unless the manager and the pitching coach and the assistant pitching coach can make it perfectly clear to the rotation pitchers, whoever they might be, gentlemen, you are going to have to go to the post with a mentality every five days of pitching more than five innings. Now, I'm sure that they would say to you today, well, that's that's a given. That's been that way ever since uh, we brought this group together as a very uh, potentially a very talented young pitching rotation. And they so that would be their answer. Oh, oh, are you kidding? They know that. Well, I don't know that they know that because I don't see it happening. And I don't care how good a bullpen you have, and I think they've improved their bullpen by the addition of the yeah. two players that they brought in. I don't care how good that bullpen is on paper. They are going to be burned out again come September the 1st, 2024, unless this group, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, 
the Andrew Abbott, et cetera, et cetera, know that they've got to go to the mound and pitch better than they pitched last year individually and as a group in order to give this bullpen a chance to show how really effective it can be. Yeah, I think it's a very simple thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think bullpen, potentially, you and I both know, though, you know, and that's the one thing about baseball. You know, you could have had a terrible bullpen one year, and you bring back three or four of the same guys, even on a bad bullpen, and they might come back and pitch great. I don't think anybody saw Elliott's good friend, Ian Jabot, turning out to be the pitcher that he turned out to be this year. But is that a guarantee he's going to be the same Ian Jabot next year? No, it's not. But, I mean... You know, they've got some guys down there that if you don't run them in the ground, the mole guy that they acquired last year, he did a nice job with his team for what you asked him. He sure did. They've got some guys yep. down there that, that, you know, I mean, Lucas Sims makes you a little crazy. The stuff is great. We all pray T.J. Antone could come back. What a boost that would be for the team. That could really become a serious strength for this team this year. Yeah, and I also think the guys that they, they, they added um, – if they're as good as, as it appears that they can be or will be, everybody else then has a, a comfort level that maybe they did not have last year because mm -hmm. they knew that more often than not, over a seven-game week, they would be called upon four or five times earlier than most bullpens are expected to be asked to come in and pitch. Now, you, now you've got guys slotted into specific roles and, and, and they have a comfort level knowing that, you know, we got a chance to really be good, but we got to get more innings out of our starting pitchers. And I agree with you. The bullpen normally with a club, just because it was really good, doesn't automatically mean it's going to be really good the next year. Uh, so I, I just think it's something that they've got to, they, they, they've got to be confronted with, the rotation pitchers, but more importantly to me, the Hunter Greens of the world and the Nick Lodolos of the world, they've got to stay healthy. And if, if they're not, if they're going to be China dolls, then I don't care how potentially great your stuff is and how the, the expectation down the road is once you get a couple of three years under your belt, you're going to be one of the dominant pitchers in the game. Doesn't make a bit of difference. If you can't stay healthy and go out every five days and pitch, it's not going to happen. So that's an unknown factor that nobody can predict. Uh, but at the same time, the track records for a couple of those guys has not been very good. And in order for this team to exceed what it did in 2023, uh, a lot of things have to come together. The other thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and I'm, I, I, we've all seen it happen too many times, that old dreaded sophomore jinx, uh, which is – which is a phrase that was adapted or adopted for baseball more than any other sport. Yep. Uh, because you have guys that are outstanding players and then the next young players and then the next years, for whatever the reasons, they don't equal the numbers that they posted the year before. This is very important for this club because of the number of rookie players that were so blasted impressive in 2023. Are they going to equal or exceed what they did last year, this past season? If they do, this team is going to be some kind of good. If they don't, and two or three of these guys fall by the wayside for whatever the reason, then now you got a problem that is going to impact the entire team. So, you know, it, it's easy to say, and I know how fans are, we, we, 
We were 82 and 80, and nobody ever expected them to do that. Just think how good they're going to be next season. And that's that's uh, that's understandable from a, a died-in-the-wool fan. But you also have to be objective, and you have to think about things that fans don't want to think about. But at the same time, I think they're valid questions, and only time will tell whether the uh, Spencer Steese of the world and the Encarnacion strands and and the McLeans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, can come out and play the way they did last year, or in some cases, even better. If they do, it's going to be a truly memorable and exciting year. All right, boys, let's bounce around. Uh, Mr. Brenneman's got a lot going on down there in the Commonwealth, where, by the way, my guy Cal, he's got it going on. I mean, uh, he, we may not have him going on the show, but he's got it going on. Um, Casey, anything for Mr. Brenneman? Yeah, um, I'm actually not going to ask a basketball question. Um, they had a solid win against Oklahoma. They took care of business there. I was actually going to ask about the Dodgers because we had a very lengthy conversation, I think the last show that we had uh, that Friday. We talked about whether or not the Dodgers were currently ruining the sport of baseball. They spent $1 billion, or they've committed to $1 billion on three players. In 10 days. In 10 days. And it just doesn't seem very competitive for the game of baseball. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, I think the, uh, yeah, there's no sport. <clears throat> when you talk about the big ones, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, uh, there's no sport that can equal baseball for the problems that they have. And the nearsightedness that, that they uh, displayed a million years ago, unlike Pete Rozelle, uh, who, who had the foresight to realize that uh, revenue sharing was going to be something that was going to make their game so much better than everybody else's game. And now here we are in 2024 or heading into it on the heels. Let's not forget now the New York Mets and how much money they spent yep. under Steve Cohen. And where did that go? And the Padres. Um, so that, that the Padres another team. So I, I don't think that just because Otani got a ton and uh, the, the, the young uh, Japanese pitcher, uh, and I don't think they're done yet. Uh, that doesn't automatically put them in the World Series or put them in the postseason. But I do think it, it's a stark example of the haves and the have-nots of baseball. I don't think it's healthy. Uh, at the same time, I don't know that there's a there is a an explanation or uh, something that can happen in the game that's going to change it. Uh, it is what it is, and baseball has put itself in a tough position. And, and how the world they're going to get out of it, I have no idea. Um, I, I just think it's something that people need to be concerned about. I think that there are a lot of people who are going to root like hell for the Dodgers to fall on their face in 2024 uh, for the very reasons that we're talking about right now. Uh, from a Dodger perspective, and I, I've, I've referenced a book I'm re still reading called The Game, uh, which covers a period from 1990 into the early 21st century. Uh, of this game. It covers a lot of monumental events, uh, the strikes and, and uh, the performance enhancing drugs and, and a, a multitude of things focusing on uh, Bud Selig and George Steinbrenner and, and Donald Fair and another, other, uh, another number of other baseball notables. 
and, and the problems they were dealing with then are problems that are being dealt with now. Uh, so there's nothing that's happened that is going to change the complexion of this game economically that I foresee. Uh, and, and it's something that they're going to have to live with and something they're going to have to uh, deal with, especially the, the, the small market teams. And, and you know, if you're, and, and this was pointed up in this book, if you're George Steinbrenner and you have the financial wherewithal to do what you want to do with your money, then you don't, you're not thinking about the welfare of the game. And he didn't, and they made it perfectly clear that when baseball tried to tax him more so than everybody else or put in rules that would impact him negatively more so than anybody else because of the amount of money he was spending on players, he didn't care. He said, I'm trying to win, and I'm going to do what I can to enhance my team's chances. And I think the Dodgers are doing the very same thing. The thing is, they can do it because they have the finances as opposed to clubs like Cincinnati and, and Milwaukee and some of the other ones that don't have that. But it's, a, it's something that baseball is going to have to deal with. And whether or not the rules change down the road, we don't know. But the track record would indicate not a whole lot's going to happen in that regard in this current economic situation. All right. One good question in the books. Uh, we have two others that, that uh, we'll find out if they can answer the bell. Reed Mouse. Uh, hey, Marty. Listen, I know you want to talk to you. my good friend and yours and, and Elliot. So I just got to ask you one question. With the, the Christmas season over, what was the best present you got this past weekend? Yeah. What was the best present you got for Christmas? I'm trying to think. I got I got some good stuff. I got a lot of clothes. <laughs> you know, right. you know. Yeah, you're uh, a little short um, on clothes. That's a good thing. You're a little short. I know. I know. Yeah. So I, 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 to be specific, I don't know that I can be specific. You know. What did Tom get you? I'm, I'm very happy with the way Christmas went. Uh, we had great visit with Tom and his family Christmas Eve, and my daughter Ashley, who's down in Florida with her family now. Um, and so I, I've been very happy with the way this holiday has gone, uh, and I'm sure Reed that you feel the same way. Merry Christmas, Marty. All right. Well, and happy New yeah. Year, Reed. Yeah, happy absolutely. Year. And now we come to um, you know uh, Elliot. Uh, I don't know where this oh, is I going know. this week, but I'm very excited. Uh, I know. Hi there, Marty. You look very handsome this morning. How you doing? <laughs> Can I ask you a question first, Elliot? Yes, you may. You know, when I got set up to do this, and I I, I dial up, you know, the studio, and sure. I'm hearing you all chat, and Tom's talking to. Uh, Reed and to to you and to Casey and they have camera shots of you guys and I see the I see the shot that that they have of you. My question is, you appear to be one of those people who, when they receive Christmas gifts, they can't wait to wear them. You yeah. got new shoes on, Maybe. new shoes on. Yeah, the sweatshirt looks brand new. Maybe it could be. Are you one of those people? Yeah, well, I think it's rude. I think, listen, I, I gave my boss a present uh, last Thursday, and it's still sitting on his desk. So I think if you if you if if you wait sometimes, <laughs> right, you have to show respect to the people who bought you these gifts. So yeah, absolutely, Marty. I I, I think okay. if somebody gives me a gift, Marty, I don't know if you're going to give me a gift. I haven't received one from you yet. Uh, it could be lost in the mail. But I was thinking about it. I just my mom and dad they got me a new pair of shoes, so I'm like, you know what? 
they spent good or Santa did whichever one you prefer. They gave it to me and, and I said, you know what? I'm going to wear them. I'm going to show my, my support. I think that's fair. Yeah. Do you not think that's I'm fair? I'm with you all the way. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I mean, when it comes to like next January and, and my, <clears throat> and my boss, my Christmas present for my boss is still sitting out there and, and that's, that's the argument against it. But I have a couple, I have a question <clears throat> for you. I have a question for you, Marty. Go ahead. You, you look back, you, you, you look, you look at this Bengals team and I know you're, you're, you're the baseball guy, but I know you love football deep down. You look at this Bengals team, this Bengals game on Sunday coming up against the Kansas City Chiefs, you can make the argument that both of these teams are, are in need of a win. And, and both of them are, are pretty damn hungry for a win, I'd say. Which of these dogs do you think will run faster? Because I think if you look at both of them right now, you can make the argument that Kansas City Chiefs are the hungrier dog. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> Excuse me. I agree with you 100%. <clears throat> I think so, too. I, this is a team that if you're the Bengals, you don't want to have to play right now. Yep. Uh, what are they, nine What are they? Nine and five? Nine and, nine six. and six, something like that. Yeah. I mean, nobody would have ever dreamed that would have been the case after 15, 16 games that they would be in the position they're in. And I agree with you. Uh, you know, we're talking about that dog that's hungry and run faster. I think that that dog is going to be wearing a Kansas City helmet on Sunday. I think yeah. – I, think, I, think I agree with that. Okay. All right. That's good. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't make a big joke of it today, Tom. I was very serious with my question. I was very deliberate. Marty's a very busy man. He's got things to do. Oh, I, I do have a side question, though. Marty, will you join my bowling league? I'm, I'm in need of another man. Well, you know what I suggest you do? And this show's over and you go home. Uh, when yeah. you walk out the building, find the first person you run into. Yeah. And ask them if they'd like to play on your bowling league. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, okay. That'll that's be the, the best answer I can give you. Yeah, I, are you any good at bowling? Oh, Marty, I'm worse than you can ever imagine. I'm so bad it's scary. I'm so scary. They 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 don't let me bowl a whole lot in my bowling league. But I'll tell you what, it's fun. We all have we all have fun. I, Does your league have the bumpers in it? Uh, yeah, they do actually, and they that's got that little thing where you push it, you push it over the ramp. Right. For the kids. Perfect. Yeah, that's what we, that's what I use. But Perfect. it's a lot of fun though. It's a lot of fun. I love bowling. Yeah. Our son just went bowling last night. Him and his buddies. How about that? Yeah, they loved it. I'll challenge him. Does yeah. he want to? Does he want to challenge me? You know what? Me? He would take you up on that. I think. All right. We'll yeah. put a we'll put a responsible wager down. Would, who, who would you bet on there, Dad? Elliot or Luke? I bet on Luke on one leg <laughs> to beat Elliot. Well, that's fine. Uh, to begin with, Luke is very athletic, and they may say a lot of things about you, Elliot. Here we but go. But that ain't one of them. Here we go. <laughs> Marty, I don't know if you know this, and, and not a lot of people know this about me, but I was an all-city tennis player. I was, if you look back in the record book, when the story of Cincinnati Elder Sports High is School written. For the Mighty Panthers. When, that's right. When the story of Cincinnati Sports is written, Marty, they're not going to talk about the 2012 Reds and they lose and any Reds team following because this Reds franchise is cursed or the Bengals to never win a Super Bowl. They're going to write about me, all-city in tennis, Marty. I'm the greatest tennis player that ever was. You played at, Elliot, at at Elder High School? That's right, Elder High School. You were on the school team. I was on the school team, and I was captain of the team, Marty. How about that? I was a leader Which of men. Which number did, were you? Were you the number one player, number two, three, four? What were you? I, so so how, how high school tennis works is that there's singles players, and then there's the doubles team, right? So I would be Correct. the number th – I was the number three singles, but I was the number one doubles. Boom. That's pretty big league. I got to well, give it up. 
then I owe, I owe you an apology then. I Thank owe you, you an apology. That's a very athletic team or athletic sport that you played. That's right. I would be very interested in knowing were you less poundage then than you appear yeah, well, to be now? Yeah, well, Marty, I put on a, I put on about a freshman 15 at Toledo and unfortunately just haven't lost it. So, uh, in, in fact, we've added to it quite a bit, but that's fine. Well, th there's so much there's so much time to go, Marty, in my life. I, I, I'll, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow for you. You start tomorrow what? I'll start I'll start this diet for you tomorrow. You know what you're thinking right now? You're one of those guys that thinks about that quarter pounder with cheese and biggie fries and a large Coke. You know, I don't eat you, I have heard I don't, this material for so long. You know, I, Marty, you know, I don't eat burgers. I've, ne I, I, I've never eaten a burger in my entire life. Uh, you you, ought to, you try one then. <laughs> I'm stopping this now. I'm not letting this go anymore. All right. We're I'm done not. with this. All right. Dad, uh, thanks for your time. Have a great rest of your day, and, uh, and I'll see you. Uh, Day after tomorrow. Uh, that's correct. That is absolutely correct. We look forward to it. Uh, I'm going to call Luke on the way home today and see how things are going back there in Terrace Park. Well, I'd be. You better get the full lowdown. You better get the full lowdown. Okay. That's all I can tell you. He's all right. Going that good. All right. We love you. We'll talk to you later. Happy New Year, guys. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. God bless we'll you, Marty. That's right. That's right. That's right. See, I wasn't going to let that go any further. I, you could have let it go further, I, Tom. I, listen, I, I, I'm not the when, – when people think of me, I, I, I try to make everybody laugh because uh, deep down I, I'm deeply troubled, and, and this is what I – and this is, this is part of it. So I'm going to be fine. We're all going to be fine. We're all going to make jokes together, Tom. I was going to call you Marty. I would love to see some tape on you playing tennis. I really would. Uh, there's no video footage available. No. So – yeah, but the bottom line is you can't argue with what – I mean, you're in there as an all-city player. You're in there, man. Team, I mean, that, you know, team? you can't take that away. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't matter. I think if was... you're even listed, even in the honorable mention stuff, they came out in the Enquirer over the weekend with all the high school football teams. Yeah. Right? Yeah. First team, second team, honorable mention. Dude, if you're in those categories, that's big league. It means you've played well. That's right. It means – especially when you're playing at a school, as much as I hate to say it, I'm not an elder guy, but I mean that's a big league sports school, big time sports Some school. Say, I, don't know. I mean you got a you know a school like Marymount, you know where our kids went. You'll get a lot of kids that play two sports, some that play three sports. That's right. You can't do that at a place like Elder and Saint X and these places. You I mean you can't in. do it. You can't do it, and um, because it's too competitive. You've got a ton of boys, and only so many make the basketball team. Only so many make. The tennis team. Only so many make the lacrosse. I mean, St. Xavier lacrosse, they had more boys on their varsity, JV, and two freshman teams. They had more players when we played them than Marymount has number of boys in the entire high school. That's wild. It's insane. Yeah. That's wild. We take things. We very still hung in there with those boys too. Now they want. They don't want to <laughs> hang around much. We Tough sledding. We take. <laughs> we take things very seriously in the GCL. Very serious. You don't believe Baden's a part of the GCL. I know it's not part of the GCL. Well, it's not. It is. It's what are you not. talking? It's part of that co-ed GCL. Yeah. Right? The Greater Catholic League, and yeah, there's there's a there's a division for the smaller schools, but yeah, it's a hundred percent part of the GCL. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry we're not highfalutin. I'm, I'm right? sure LaSalle will join you guys real soon. Well, they might be a co-ed school here soon. 
Steve Ross says the pit is the best high school football facility in the city. I would have to agree. No doubt. I would have to agree. It's a place to be. It's the number one. I mean, place when you've got uh, what's his name that comes here to play here in town, Darius Rucker. That's a big league operation. Did you go to that concert? Tom? No, my dad did. In fact, he sat the entire game. I mean, the game. He sat during the entire concert with Bill Self. Really? Bill Self was in town. Um, I'm trying to remember why. There was a connection there of some kind with Kansas basketball and somebody who was involved in that whole thing, raising money for charity. I don't think it was Kyle Rudolph. It was Kyle Rudolph's charity, if I remember right. Correct. He, so he, maybe there's some connection between him and Bill Self there. I don't know. But but he was there for the concert. Of all places to go see Darius Rucker in a concert. I mean, right. you can go a lot of sweet places. Right. And he comes into Cincinnati to go to the pit. And, uh, yeah, so he went and said it was unbelievable. That's that's impressive. Bill Self has to be, what, the first championship coach to, to be on Elder's campus? Oh, no, 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 no. They've had a lot of big-time coaches that have won championships I mean, come that? to that campus. Yeah. Come on. Come They've on. Had a, couple. a lot of second- and third-place finishes. A lot of second-place finishes. Never Wasn't there a point in time where stops. Elder High School had more? And, and, and I'm curious if we can look this up. There was a point in time where I read. Now, that may have changed because of the number of games that they're playing in southern states now and so on and so forth compared to here in the Midwest. But there was a point in time not long ago where Elder had more high school baseball wins than any high school in the United States of America. Yeah, they have like 14 state championships in baseball. So Pretty good. <laughs> it's, the, it's the most successful baseball team. But a lot of them were back in the That's day. That's right. They're nothing much anymore. Well, like back in the day, a lot of them were like – the the new the local newspaper would just put a put an article out that said elder state champions and there was no tournament or anything. They That's just, right. They just won a game, the final game of the year. Like ah, they beat Oak Hills or, or West High, so they're the state champs. They're the best team in the state. That's how they crowned state champions back in the fifties and sixties. But I digress. Back to football, Tom. Yes. Back to football. Back to football. Are you guys watching any of the bowl games? Uh, no. God no. God, I think no. I think that's a really bad product there. I've, I've been out on the bowl games for quite some time, and I'll bet on the bowl games, and it's just I still can't watch it. How do you bet, in all seriousness, on bowl games? Because I was looking at, say, the, the lineup for tonight, and um, I said earlier in the monologue, you got Louisville who's had a really good regular season. They've won 10 games. They've lost three. They got beat uh, in the ACC championship game against a beat-up Florida State team, but Florida State won a game, and God bless them, finished undefeated, left out of the playoffs. But uh, they're taking on USC. No Caleb Williams. Right. It's Their right. second-string quarterback, the guy who was a number one quarterback recruited in the country, Malachi Nelson, has already announced that he's leaving USC in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. So they're thought starting a third-string quarterback. I just use that game as an example to the question I'm asking any of you uh, if you're betting on bowl games, and you said you were. How do you bet on that game? You have to. Well, the, the, the number one thing is you have That's to know who's important. playing. You have to know who's playing. Like Oklahoma State tonight, I forget they're playing. Um, help me out. I, I don't know who they're playing. I think they're uh, playing. Are the Texas A&M? Is that who they're That's playing? Who, that's who it is. Okay. The Texas A&M's guys aren't playing, so I'm betting on Oklahoma State. It just depends who, who who's showing up to these games or not. It just uh, it was we were we found out was it yesterday or two days ago? Marvin Harrison isn't playing for the Buckeyes. Just found out. So so we're probably gonna have to lean the other way again, back to Missouri. So it's 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 all kind of weird. It's just random. It's more lucky, I would say. So if there was ever a, a, a true 50-50, um, a true 50-50 wager, it's betting on these bowl games because you just don't know. 
Why isn't Marvin playing? I thought Marvin, he, he went down with the team. He practiced the first three or four practices, and the story broke over the weekend that he did not practice on uh, Monday, I think it was. He okay. was there. Uh, I, I give the guy all the credit in the world for being there for his teammates. I mean, that clearly tells you he's going to go in the draft, and there was some debate about that uh, for a while there. That's right. uh, but at least he's there with his team. I mean, look around. That's fair. Is, is, is Caleb Williams with the Trojans? I don't know. Maybe he is. Is uh, the May kid with North Carolina, they're playing today, I think, or tomorrow. Is he there? I don't think so. Now, two or three of the Ohio State players who are projected first-round picks, they're there, and Jack Sawyer, defensive end, is playing in the game and has said he's probably coming back next year. You've got Denzel Burke, first-round pick they're projecting, cornerback, right? He's playing in the game. He said he's already decided what he's doing about coming back or going pro, but he's not going to announce it until after the game. The dude's playing. I give it up to him. As it stands right now, we brought this up last week. Ohio State has eight or nine juniors who are projected, and, and Harrison's a junior, who are projected first, second, third round picks. And only one of them is not playing in this game as of today. And they play two days from now. Only one's not playing. Marvin Harrison Jr., everybody else at least right now, and they have 48 hours to change their mind. I just think that speaks volumes. Whether you like them or hate them, I think it speaks volumes of the kind of character of the players on Ohio State's team. They're all there. They're all there. And did you see the story what Devin Brown did? The guy who's starting at quarterback? Did you no. see this story? No. This is an unbelievable story. So, apparently, everybody on the team has loved this kid, Devin Brown, right? Five-star recruit, comes in, competes for the quarterback job this year with uh, uh, Kyle McCord. They pick McCord the last week of the season to start the opening game uh, of the year. And so, Brown is the backup. So, uh, Brown now is going to start in the game Cotton Bowl against uh, uh, Missouri. Two days from now. Uh, apparently, Brown is one of the most popular players on the team. Apparently, he's, he's tough. He cares. He's a gamer. He never shut it down when he lost the job. Continued to grind, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he's going to start the game. He just bought every player on the team. 100 players in this day and age of NIL. These brand new JBL speakers. And they figure they cost over $14,000. Wow. Now, you could say, oh, so what? It's, a, you know, it's the NIL, right? It's the NIL. So it ain't, ain't his money. Uh, of course it's his money. If whatever company was doing that, he could have stuck $14,000 in his pocket. He went out and bought every player on the team this week before the Cotton Bowl. These brand new JBL speakers to the tune of like 14500 $14, bucks. That's impressive. That's big league. That, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Tom, what does it say about uh, the Big Ten if the toast of the Big Ten Ohio State loses to uh, Vanderbilt or whoever they're playing? In the well, game? they're playing uh, Missouri, who was the, as you recall, the runner-up uh, to Georgia in the, um, in the east of the mighty SEC. So just like Ohio State Wait, was the runner-up in the East to Michigan. I didn't – I'm not even being facetious here. Missouri plays in the East of the SEC? I'm pretty sure that's right. Because they are 
probably know, the know, farthest think, west team but I think in they the SEC. are I'm pretty sure I'd have to check that A&M's the only one that's farther west yeah you're right but when they added those teams let me see I think it's pronounced the west mm. yeah they're in the uh they are in the uh, east that is that reminds me of back when the MLB used to have uh Cincinnati in the in the west division and the Cubs in the that's east right. division that's right that was bizarre very bizarre well, I want to confirm that because, I, I mean, I just punched it in here to uh, – Seth, they're, they're all saying that they, they play in the East. Yeah, they play in the East. And they were runner-up to – Georgia. yeah, Georgia was 8-0. Missouri was 6-2 and in the conference and 10-2 uh, and overall. Huh. And they come into this bowl game on a three-game win streak. Missouri's favored in that game by two because Ohio State's playing with a backup quarterback. Are you, are you worried about that game, no. Tom, as an Ohio State fan? No. I think they're just going to – No, I mean, Missouri's strength is they have one of the best running backs in the country. I think he's a third leading rusher in, in Division One, And if there's one area where Ohio State has been rock solid all year long, it is their defense stopping the run. They shut down Michigan in the run game uh, when they played them, but they gave up big plays to uh, and had a couple of picks there that led to touchdowns. So that has been a strength for Ohio State's team, and it looks like they have all of their starters that are going to play in the game. According to Alex Wallace, uh, Brown is a JBL partner. So JBL sponsors Brown. So yes. So, but, but, but they have an agreement with him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that he has an agreement with JBL, the speaker company. Correct. Right. So when they have whatever agreement, if they say, okay, we're paying Devin Brown $50,000, he says, okay, we'll take out 14000 of that so I can buy speakers for every guy on my team instead of sticking the 14 in his pocket. Okay. So that's the world we live in with NIL. Okay. That's the world we live in. Um, and we yet. brought up earlier about, uh, what is this? It says uh, Drew Garrison said Ohio State is getting improper benefits from big tech. <laughs> Tom, Tom, not to get back to the NFL. but Yes, yeah, so let's get I've, back to the NFL. I've been, I've been messing around with the playoff predictor just because it's that time of year. I know for the past few weeks I said don't do it. Now we're in the final two weeks. Now you can do it all you want. You can do it all you want. But if the Bengals lose this week to the Chiefs and the Titans beat the Texans, the Seahawks beat the Steelers, the Bengals would have a 50% 50, 50 chance of making the postseason, even if they lose this week. Okay. That's that's crazy. That's crazy to me that they could get in with nine and eight if if the the Titans beat the Texans, which I think we all can agree could happen. Titans are playing good football right Ain't now. Ain't gonna not, happen. It's not likely to that happen. That is happen. not going to happen. happen. If C.J. Stroud is back, it's not happening. Would well, you see Tannehill was taking snaps at the end of that game too? The the Titans game. I think Levis got hurt. Yes. So t Let's it see might be spread on that one. Might be that's, well, he that's, started the game, didn't he? Tom, take you're right. A, you're right. You're right. Tannehill did start. Take a guess on the spread for the Houston Tech, the Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans. Well, I mean, without knowing whether Stroud is playing, it's probably only like a two and a half point it's four spread. And a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. Okay. Okay. If he plays, that will bump up. Do you up. think that'll jump up? I wouldn't. Right. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I, I think I, so. Yeah, certainly, certainly. But I'm. Is he not confirmed to play yet? Like he is no. still not confirmed. Okay. Okay. Well. That being said, I mean it's 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 just crazy how how all this stuff can shake out. We talked about the Browns could still be the one seed, and like not a whole, like it's not likely. It's like a five percent chance, but it's not like you need thirty things to happen for the Browns to be the one seed, and it's not like the Bengals need thirty things to happen to get in at nine and eight. It's not likely, but 
No, but we brought up earlier, and again, this is, you know, again, and there are different models, and so I don't know which one to put stock in. I really don't, because it's amazing to me how different they are, but we understand why they're different, because you're putting in winners of other games, and this game, and that game, and so on and so forth. So whatever you're putting in, it's going to spit out the probability. But the bottom line is, according to Nate Silver at the New York Times, um... They're at 18% now. Correct. It would go, I believe I read, to 54% if they win in Kansas City. And if they then turned around and won their last game of the year, it would be just fractionally above 94% to make it. Correct. Right? Correct. Okay. So, you know, look, I mean, like I said when we came into the show today, um, the game against the Steelers is such old news now tomorrow's already thursday i mean we're cranking up the second to last weekend of the nfl season tomorrow night with the browns and the jets Mm -hmm. it's time now boys and girls to you know will we be able to look back on this season if they don't make it and we can relive games like the steelers twice the titans 27 to 3 i think was the final in that one that was a bad one um you know the Baltimore game where Burrow gets hurt, uh, I still think the biggest single – of all of those games, to me, the one that stings the most, because where would we be now, is still the Texans game. Yeah, Tyler Boyd catches that pass. That's still the game for me. They'd be two over, right? Right. Sit a one over. And, you know, no, excuse me, they would have the same record as Buffalo. They'd be nine and six. Yeah. Yeah, so you'd be three over, and you would just be sitting pretty. Not great, because you still have to play Kansas City and you still have to play Cleveland. But man, oh man, you take your chances 9-6, and six, a hell of a lot better than 8-7. and seven. Yeah, and you wouldn't even have to watch the Texans anymore. I mean, you would have the tiebreaker over them. So. Right, like you do Indy. Right. So right. you'd be in a really, really good spot. Really good spot. Mm. It's it, The thing that... As as we look back, and I know I know you're trying to, to move on to, to the Chiefs game. We got we got four hours for the next two days to talk about the Chiefs game, but and and I said this before uh, Coach came on was just the fact that they've gotten blown out four times this year, and it's all been been against physical teams, right? The rest of this division, this AFC North, when they look when other when other teams think of the AFC North, they think of the Steelers and the Ravens, and now the Browns, and all these physical teams, and that's just not been the Bengals' M.O. over the past few years. Now, the Bengals have won the division, like, right? Like, they, they, they've back-to-back AFC North champs, so it's been fine not being that physical team, but when it's become so apparent that they can't play these games, that they can't, that they can just, the, the, the key to beating the Bengals is just be more physical yep. than them. It's becoming more and more of a problem. 0-5 against the AFC North, regardless of, of the excuse that I made earlier about how the first two games Joe Burrow was banged up. The the third game he, he plays, he gets hurt in the second quarter. And the fourth and fifth game, it's been with Jake Browning. Regardless of not having a, a healthy best player on your team play, it's become more and more of an issue that I'm seeing Looking at the way that Zach Taylor coached, and, I, and out of everyone in this room, no one beats Zach Taylor as a good coach more home than me. But when I look at that, and they just get physically outmatched by these by these other coaches, these more established coaches, 
it's it's becoming more and more alarming. I just wish he would be a little bit consistent. That's all I want. I just want some consistency. When, when you, when you oh, play, can't the, you say he was consistent if he won back to back AFC That's true. North like, 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 right. Like, it's true. Like, they've won back to back. They're, they're consistent at being inconsistent. Sure. But I, I, at, the same, at the same point, we, we, for the first time all season, we threw in Drew Sample on every single. And I hate to keep bringing up that point, but that's just a fact. Reed said it happened every. It, does, it did not happen often. It happens when, literally every game. It does. He's, it ha- it we, happens we, like we, twice a game, dude. It doesn't happen every single time. Charlie Charlie Goldsmith has been on this show joking. When I joke with him about the Drew Sample thing, he's like, "What do you want me to call you? A third down back?" Because he does it all the time. He's back there for protection. When we lost to Maje Pirine, who was the blocking back, Joe Mixon, who has gotten better at blocking, we realized, hey, let's get somebody back there just to protect Joe Burrow and Jake Browning. And that answer's been J- Drew Sample. Past, and also, Drew Sample has gotten two touchdowns on third down. The past out of the, backfield. Se- the past several games, it has been Chase Brown in the backfield on third down. It gives you an option to a, like Coach Kasky said, run the ball, or God forbid we run the ball on third and one. Or you can throw it to him for a screen. Other than that, it's a lost play. It's a lost play because the defense knows what's coming when you have Drew Sample back there. You're surrendering. It's, it's, it's a give up. He has not been back there 80% of the time. He's been back there every once in a while. He was in, he was on, he was in the backfield on third down every single time uh, on Saturday. Every single time. Uh, I don't understand why it happens. He does stuff like that nonstop. It, it's just crazy. At least he, the only thing I can think of is the only good, the only positive I can take away from that game is he didn't have one of our tight ends throw the ball. That's that's the only good Wish thing I can take away. Wish he would have. I would have loved a Charlie Jones pass. But I like I I don't get the I, I understand that you were frustrated about the Drew Sample. It was thing, like but third and been... five. It was like third and five in every single third down. Freed. It was not like that this entire year. It, it hasn't. I, I, I will go back and I will find each game and I will find the percentage it's of snaps a, Drew Sample is on or is third, in the backfield on third down. I will find that for you because okay. it is not more than 50%. If, if you, okay, I, I'm not saying this more, but, but it's like things change game to game. You're acting like it's some new phenomenon that Drew Sample has been back in the, in the backfield on third down when it's a clear passing situation. Yeah, there was a couple times where it was third and three when it wasn't a clear passing situation. But when it's couple. third and long... It, I, I have absolutely zero problem with Drew Sample in the backfield being a block because he's a good blocker, and he's already caught two touchdowns out of the backfield on third down this year. We'll yeah. see. Uh, breaking news for the Bengals. We're not surprised by this, but uh, apparently this morning they've already activated from injured reserve Camp Taylor Britt. That's great. Lord knows they need him. I mean, after what happened the other day, Wuzier's been a nice player on this team, but whoa. Um they have their hands full and then some with Pickens. But they don't know, apparently, the word from down at Paycor this morning, if he's physically going to be ready to play uh, on Sunday in Kansas City. And look, we know the deal on the Chiefs. I, you know, and Reed brought up earlier about watching him. Um, Kelsey's getting very frustrated because they don't have that you know, the rookie's had a nice year. He's been a nice player for them. Really nice player at wide receiver. Is she right? The other guys are dropping balls all over the place. Now, does that mean they're going to drop them this Sunday? Of course it does not. They might catch every one of them. They might be the best receiving core in the league this Sunday. And they're probably licking their chops after what they watched the other day with no pass rush from the Bengals. And here you've had these guys that have been getting given the chance of a lifetime. Casey, nowhere to be found. Seriously, where are these guys? And I tell you, I'm not going to do this this time next year. I'm not going to do it. It's like I say in baseball. I don't care about what guys in the minor leagues do. 
I've felt that way for years. I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. I don't care what a farm system is rated. That doesn't mean squat to me. It means nothing. It means that they're potentially good minor league players and not guaranteed to be major league players. In this same vein, I am now on the football front. I am not allowing myself ever again to get caught up in this Joseph Asai, Cam Sample, Carter. I'm never, ever, ever going to do it again. So when the Bengals start training camp next year, and good Lord willing, we're still doing the show, I don't want to hear those names ever again. You want to talk about uh, Bryant? or I mean, Murphy? That's fine. Because at least he's shown you something this year that would lead you to believe there is a chance of being a decent player. The rest of these guys, the only guy that's there all the time, as far as a pass rusher is concerned, the only guy they have, is Hendrickson. And if that guy goes down, they are D-U-N done. And you say, well, wait a minute. B.J. Hill has career high in sacks. Big deal. Big deal. They don't have anybody there. You and I were talking before the show today. The Bengals are how many tens of millions of dollars under the salary cap? And you mean to tell me they couldn't sign Jadavion Clowney? I said that when it happened. They couldn't go get Jadavion Clowning on a one-year deal. And if he flops, who cares? Where is Joseph Asai? Is he alive? Uh, well, you know, last year, and I know you just said that you were done talking about Osai, but Osai flashed last year. I mean, he had a lot of great plays. This year, he's been non-existent. I don't know where Osai's been. He's been hurt, I guess, um, buried in the depth chart. Cam Sample, I never thought he was going to be the premier pass rusher that we would need, that that third guy or that second guy right next to Hendrickson. But he was a solid backup to to Hubbard, you know, that, that role of that run stuffer. Zach Carter has been very bad this year. Um, that draft pick has failed. In all honesty, Tom, this offseason, besides signing Joe Burrow, I, I guess Orlando Brown was the well, best. Well, that's a huge deal now. Highest but, paid offensive lineman in the league. Right, but what was it worth it? Like, are we – I don't know if it was all that worth it in the end. And then you look at all the players that we had to then settle for, like the Nick Scotts, fail. Irv Smith Jr., fail. I mean, we, we, we did not hit on a lot of stuff in this offseason. Even you look at the draft, too. I mean, we needed production right away from some of these players that we brought in and we just didn't get it. And it showed up really big this year. Hopefully these guys develop next year, but it's not looking great at the current moment. The projection is not looking great. Not at all. And there's definitely not a pass rusher right now that I'm feeling like super great about besides Hendrickson. I mean, Hubbard, every year it seems like he gets dinged up for a couple weeks. And those are the most important weeks of our season. And, I mean, he's not adding anything in, in terms of getting to the quarterback. I know he had great numbers um, before he got hurt, but where has he been at lately? Um, yeah, I, I feel you, Tom. I feel you. I, just I, get, I get so frustrated by it like so many because I'm so tired of reading in the paper or reading on the Internet or these podcasts 
of nothing more than shills that are telling me how, oh, it's a big breakout year. Who won the Bengals this season? They've had guys that have had good years. And look, somebody referenced, and, and you're exactly right in the chat, the sky is not falling. The Bengals are a game over 500 through all they have been through. They're a game over. They found a way to hang in there and with two weeks left to go, have a chance to make at least a fighting chance. And that's all you can ask for really every year. That's the story of the NFL. Every team has a fighting chance. And the Bengals through all they've been through, here they are with a chance still to get there. Okay, but having said that, is there a guy on this team you look at and you say, they have made such a significant leap during the course of this season. I'm not talking about as a rookie. Because let's face it, not many of the rookies were getting much playing time. Murphy was nowhere on the field early, right? right. Chase Brown was right. out, injured, wasn't playing at all, that kind of thing. Right. Is there anybody that's in their second and third year? Now, Dax Hill's getting a chance to be a starter. He's been a good player. Right. Right? He's come along. But is there anybody in that front seven on defense that has stepped up and been better this year than they were last year. The linebackers aren't better. Trey Hendrickson's probably No, no, no. I exclude him from everybody. Okay, I was going to say. He's he's, in a different category. Yeah, he's he's stepped up big time on the defensive side. But, yeah, I mean, like across the board, like DJ Reader being hurt, like no one stepped up really. Um, The rookie Miles Murphy has shown flashes of it. Sam Hubbard was, uh, you know, being a better pass rusher. Than he's ever been, but certainly the, the run stopping. Yeah, I mean the defense as a whole has taken a major step back. That's 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 clear as day. You're seeing it with how many points they're giving up, how many yards they're giving up every week. They're they're dear, near dead last in every statistical category, other than than turnovers. They do get the ball. You got to give them credit. I think the Bengals are the best in the league at, at getting the ball yes, and they the are. turnover differential. Um, Cam Taylor Britt in the secondary has has definitely taken a no major doubt step about forward. it. We saw it. In glimpses at the end of the season last year when he started getting more and more time as a cornerback. And he's he's certainly cornerback number one on this team, as as it's been evident when he's been hurt over the past few weeks. We've been we've been shredded. Um, but on the defensive side, yeah, no one's no one's really stepped up. I mean, like like I said, the, the defense as a whole has taken a major step back. On the offensive side, who has taken a major leap forward? Uh, Volson's I mean, had a, a, a good second year. Second half of the year. He was well, terrible. I know, but overall from his first year to right now, he has made a significant step forward. I would say in the se- he was terrible to begin the year. I understand. Yeah, but but he certainly has has improved as the year has gone. I, I've, I've seen flashes of Jonah Williams being, being a decent right tackle. Um, but he's the, gone. The tight end room has certainly... <laughs> exceeded their expectations. Drew Sample. In all seriousness, like Tanner Hudson, Drew Sample That's have, fair. have exceeded their Irv Smith. That's fair. Have, not, Ir, not Irv Smith have exceeded expectations. Listen, when I look at Junior. This, <laughs> when I look at this Bengals team, we you always ask the question, and we used to get on you a little bit, are the Bengals better than they were last year? And they haven't had this season that none of us certainly haven't had the season any of us expected. They were one of the top three Super Bowl odds. Clearly, more than likely not going to get there, right? They'd have, to, they'd have to really turn it on these last few weeks. But in the face of adversity, they're still 8-7, and seven, playing 13 teams out of their 15 games that they played that are in the playoffs, over 500. Played, they've played the toughest schedule in the National Football League. 
with a banged-up quarterback for the first four weeks, with a backup quarterback for the last five weeks, and they're still 8-7. and seven. So that's worth something. Yes, it now, is. if you start to you know take every player and say, did you play better? Did you improve than you did last year? Then you start running into some things, right? I don't know. I, I really don't know what to what to feel about this Cincinnati Bengals team. Are there are there pieces that that really excite me to see where they are going to be the years coming forward? Outside of Chase Brown on the offensive side, not really. Like I like I, I gave kudos to the tight end room. I still think we need to get a tight end. Uh, I've seen some things from some of the young rookie wide receivers like Yoshivas. I still think we probably need to get another wide receiver with Tyler Boyd leaving the room. When, when I think about the defensive, yeah, we're sitting right in the middle of the league in sacks where we're right next to the you know teams like the Philadelphia Eagles and the, the, the Steelers and the Cowboys and, and sacks this year, but we're still not getting a consistent pass rush. And, and Lord knows that the secondary has been, been torn up, even though I've still seen some things from the rookies. So it's, it's a big enigma. It really is an enigma when you look at where this Bengals team goes going forward. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what this Bengals team is going to look like this at this time next year. I don't know what they're going to look like come September of next year. I really don't, Tom. So, if you're asking me, what have I gotten excited about outside of Cam Taylor Britt, outside of the continued success of Trey Hendrickson, outside of a couple rookies showing some flashes? Not a whole lot. In all seriousness. And you didn't even mention that we're going to lose Tyler Boyd. Well, we don't know the, the whole story with T. Higgins yep. yet, what we're going to do there. I imagine you, you franchise tag and trade, but you don't know. So we'll, we'll see. It's been a disaster. You know the amazing thing, and when you said this, it made me think, and, and from time to time I'll think it, and I always forget to bring it up on the show, but, you know, when you stop and think about and I know you're talking about the greatest player in the history of the league in Brady, right? And some would right. say the greatest coach in the history of the league. But one thing you pointed out, you know, when you go look at the Browns' schedule, for example, this year, okay, they were a last-place team. Right. And you look at the teams outside of your division games that you're playing. Okay, so the league sets it up where, look, you're going to play a certain division. When you play the top. Okay, game. but then if you're a first-place team from the year before, you're playing the 40 – well, they, they played that division this year. But you're playing teams – that all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're generally a lot of playoff teams from last year. That's why that New England thing, well, they went 17 in a row. Yeah. Division title, 17 it's out of eight. It's I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's an, it's they face those schedules every year. And also what that means is when you're playing at least to the championship game, which they did, what, 12 or 13, whatever it was, you're, you're drafting 26, 27, 28, 29 every year, if not 31 or 32, because you're playing in the Super Bowl. And yet they just continued year after year after year. It's, it's, it's amazing to think of. All right, do we have anything else before we get out of here today? Anything else? I don't think so. No? Okay. We're working on uh, tomorrow. We, we still got to go through our picks tomorrow from last week, even though they're old news. Right? That's right. Yeah, we'll do that All tomorrow. Right. Uh, tomorrow we're going to have uh, waiting to hear back tomorrow about from James Rapine. Friday, we know we have Charlie Goldsmith. We'll have picks as well. We'll mix in a couple of college bowl games this week for the picks, along with our NFL games. Sounds good. Okay. we got to pick the big ones. We'll do that. Uh, and I just want to say, my cherry on top, can we roll that? Yeah, from our good friends at UDF, please. Yep. 
I have my own cherry on top today. Look at ice cream. Here's a big one. Here's a big one. My cherry on top today. I'm going to get out of this, you know, monkey suit here, this shirt and all this dress shirt and all that kind of thing, and make my way to um, some place over in Montgomery to play pickleball here in a little while. I love Ooh. playing pickleball. I am going with our kids and my bride, Polly, who today is her birthday. Happy birthday, Polly. So I just want to say I love you more than anything in the world. I'm not a perfect husband. You are the perfect wife. And I hope you have an awesome day today. We're looking forward, all of us as a family, to celebrate your birthday. Happy birthday, Little Pauls. Do we have a show coming up? We do. Your host day today. It is. What a day. Tune in. Is there anything that, 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 that is going to be, uh, you know, a little dicey, a little controversial, anything at all? Well, no, but I will be going over the rigged game that was last night, Kansas versus UNLV. That bowl game was rigged. And I will, I will be discussing in length. Rigged? Rigged. You didn't bring this up in the show today. Well, I had to save something for my show. Tom, Tom, before we <laughs> that, I understand. Tom, before we let you go, did yeah. you get a did you get a haircut? Did I did, and I got it. I, I walked in the other day, and I'm going to leave the the name. I may have to start seeing your bride. Okay, on. okay. Because I walked in the other day, and I said, "Hey, dude, can you take off like just you know maybe a quarter of an inch?" Because yeah. it was getting a little long. Mm -hmm. But I just want to clean it up because my my wife, happy birthday, makes it. She she likes it a little longer, a little curlier, a little wavier, all that stuff. I walk out. Now, I like this better. But see, short. when you start to lose your hair, you start to look like you have mange. You ever seen a dog with mange? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? That's what the top of my head looks like right now. Mange. Like I have mange. I have bald spots and I have hair spots. <laughs> right? She has a point. I think you look great. I think she you got look all sharp. the brains. I think you look good, Tom. Yes. I think you look I, cute. I'm, I'm going to Mariana from now on. Will she be able to sneak me in? Yeah. Just, just She's yeah. right around the corner. Literally block away. I can walk. You can walk if you I want walk. to. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I, I'm going to her next time. All right. Parker wants to know when's the live pickleball stream, Tom. Live you pickleball. versus Elliot. That'd be All Well, city. you got to have a doubles. We got to have a doubles game. Let's set up a doubles game. Yeah, can you play singles and pickleball? You can, but it's not, it's not the same game. Doubles game is a much better game. Well, he's a, he, he was all city and doubles, so I don't know. If, you'd probably have a better shot against singles. Well, maybe. Maybe. Okay. All right. Um, I was all set. Casey, yep. have a great rest of your day. I will. Elliot, do the same. Reed, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. Time. Closing in on the new year. Lots going on. Bengals still have a fighting chance. Uh, Drew Garrison wants to see Tom and Trace against Elliot and Reed. That'd set it big, up. That'd be a big league match. We'll set it up. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for being with us. And coming up now, box lunch. Here we go.